Let's turn to Ezekiel 14. Um, I know I might be mad, but there's a method to my madness, um, so I'm sure you'll find out why. So Ezekiel 14 and verse 14. Such a chapter basically speaking about judgment, but uh, verse 14 names three people uh, who are righteous, uh, Noah, Daniel and Job should be in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord Jehovah. And verse 20, uh, And Noah, Daniel and Job should be in it. As I live, saith the Lord Jehovah, they should deliver neither son nor daughter. They should but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So Ezekiel puts Job alongside Noah and Daniel uh, as being righteous. And obviously these three people lived in completely different times and God dealt in those times in completely different ways. Now James chapter 5, uh, that's the only other instance in which uh, the name of Job is mentioned outside of the book of Job. So James chapter 5. I'm sure uh, this verse is a bit more familiar to the ones in Ezekiel. And verse 11. Just sort of uh, towards in the second line of verse 11, you have heard of the endurance or patience of Job and seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is full of tender compassion and pitiful. So we've just looked at Esther, which happened uh, after the Babylonian captivity and after the 70 years of the captivity when uh, the minority of the Jews returned back to Jerusalem. But in Job, we have to go way back in time um, way back in time, in fact, to the, some early chapters in Genesis, uh, perhaps uh, during the times of the uh, patriarchs. Now, um, using the board here, I'm just testing the uh, uh, durability of that. Now, do you kids uh, remember these five things when you were taught at schools, um, when you're looking at certain events? Who, what, where, when, and why? If we're looking at a particular book with some events in there, we uh, do need to look at those uh, items in order to get a picture of uh, what the setting of the book. So, who? Um, we've got some main characters. Uh, who can tell me besides Job, whoever's familiar with the book, who the other main characters are? in the book of Job. We've got the, um, we've got the person himself. We've got God, um, who's also obviously the main character. Uh, now he had three friends, which uh, we'll go into in, uh, um, in the outline uh, later on. Uh, so his three friends, uh, then there's Elihu, and anyone else? Satan. Satan, yes. Yeah, so they're the characters that play part in the book of Job. Uh, what? What is the book of Job about? Well, it's the, the book has um, a couple of themes, uh, but 
quite ironically, uh, well, it, it is written in Hebrew poetry because it is part of the poetical books now. So we've just gone through all the historical books. Now we get into the poetical section. Uh, now, if you understand Hebrew poetry, uh, you'll be really amazed at the language that's being used uh, in the Hebrew. Um, however, God's given us light to be able to understand it without, the, you know, without the ability to understand Hebrew poetry uh, perfectly. Um, so, uh, it, expre it expresses the uh, inward feelings of the believer, uh, pouring out his heart to God in the time of sufferings and trial. So, that's one theme of the Book of Job. Uh, the other theme in the Book of Job is that it shows the work of God in dealing with the individual in his uh, own governmental ways. So throughout the word of God, um, God deals with individuals in different ways. And this book uh, is uh, before the law of Moses was given. God had his own ways of dealing with uh, individuals at that time. And so uh, throughout the book, we see uh, God's dealings uh, with, uh, with the individual person. And well, we'll come to why. So why was the book of Job written? Well, and we might also ask, why did God uh, send this incident in the life of Job? So they're, they're quite tricky or difficult questions. But this incident occurred in Job's life. Um, it's because God wanted to prove Satan false. You know, God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You know, he is righteous, perfect in all his ways. And Satan says to him, oh, let me do this and this to him and he'll curse you to the earth. Well, Job did not curse God at the end. And uh, God, in fact, uh, he also said to him again, have you considered my servant Job? Perfect. So um, God wanted to prove Satan false. And at the same time, God also had work to do with Job himself. What do you think he had work to do with Job himself? Because Job thought that he was the only one who was righteous and that everyone else was wrong, perhaps. And so God, uh, when he spoke to him uh, in the later chapters, he, he wanted to show Job that there's no one who's perfect and upright in front of God. Um, and so God had work to do with Job, and uh, we uh, see the result of that work. Now, uh, again, uh, one of the questions that comes up in the book of Job is, how can a man be righteous or be right with God or be just with God? So in, uh, we don't have to read it all, but I'll give you the references. It's in chapter 9, verse 2, and chapter 25, verse 4. Uh, the questions asked, how can man be just with God? They didn't know the answer to that. And even pretty much the Old Testament people didn't know the answer to that. But we have the answer to that in Romans. How man can be just with God and how man can be right with God. Now, the next item, where? Where were the events in the book of Job? Well, definitely it was outside the nation of Israel and definitely outside of uh, uh, the place of uh, where God's earthly people were, were. So if we look at the first chapter, uh, the narrative, uh, we see the land of Uz. 
Now that land is east or is in the east. And when the scripture mentions in the east or in the west or in the north, it's always the east of the land of Israel uh, where God has in mind. So as was in the east uh, of Israel. So uh, these people in the book of Job uh, were not Jewish. Uh, they may have perhaps been of the line of Abraham, um, or Jacob perhaps, but they were not yet part of the Jewish nation. When? When was the time of Job? Well, there's been some suggestions as to when the events in the book of Job occurred. Um, but if we look at some aspects in the Word of God, we'll see that it may have uh, occurred around the time of the patriarchs, Abraham, or perhaps in between the flood and the call of Abraham. Now, I'll, um, uh, I'll explain to you some of these things. Uh, perhaps the first obvious reason is Job's old age. So at the end of all his experience, he lived another 140 years. So we might ask, well, how old was he when God tested him and when all these things uh, came upon him? Some thoughts say that he may have been 40 years old um, and the number of 40 speaks of testing. If he was 40 years old, then he may have lived till about 180. Um, or some suggest, or if he, had, if he had seven sons and three daughters, um, I find it a bit hard to uh, think that he was 40 years old at that time um, when he was tested. He may have been a little older, uh, so perhaps he may have lived till about 200. And, the re and that's why some thoughts are that he lived perhaps just after the flood or sort of just before the time when uh, God called Abraham because the only other oldest person who lived after the flood was uh, Terah, Abraham's dad. Uh, he was 205 years old. And Abraham himself was 175 years old when he died. So Job was, um, again, one of the oldest uh, after the flood. Now, there's thoughts. Uh, the, the other thing is that there's no mention of Israel, there's no mention of the law, and there's no mention of the patriarchs. Uh, again, there's, there's knowledge of the offerings because Job had offered sacrifices. Um, there's burnt offerings in chapter 1 where he offered offerings for his uh, family and for he, he, the, the people around him. Uh, but we don't read that he offered offerings for himself. So that may be a little uh, uh, thought that Job was proud in his heart and that God had work to do with Job himself. Um, now, the, there was knowledge of offerings, um, which was a way to approach God, but those offerings were not made law at that time. Um, they, they were not uh, compulsory. Now, Jehovah in the book uh, is known as God Almighty in his creation. So he was not known as Jehovah, and he was not known as the Lord, uh, as uh, Moses and the children of Israel later went on to know him uh, as Jehovah. Uh, so he was always known as God uh, or as Almighty and uh, the creator of all things. Now, the other reason why Job lived before the law, even perhaps be, uh, around the time or just before Abraham, 
Um, when he got his blessings, uh, his daughters in chapter 42, he gave them an inheritance among their brethren. Now, at the time of the law, uh, unfortunately, uh, females were not to receive inheritances. So his daughters were very lucky and fortunate that they didn't live in the time of the law uh, because they would not have been able to uh, receive inheritance. Now, there's other suggestions that Job may have lived uh, around about in Genesis 36, 37, uh, because there are some links uh, to that. Um, so one of Job's friends, uh, his name's Eliphaz, a Temanite. Uh, in Genesis 36, verse 10, uh, again, the, the, we see the line of Esau, um, as we've seen uh, from the book of Esther. Uh, the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz. And uh, the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, and so on. So Eliphaz, if this is the same Eliphaz as Job's friend, then he was from, he was the son of Esau, because there's no other mention of him uh, elsewhere. Now, there's another interesting uh, fact in that the uh, Greek version of the Old Testament identifies Job with a uh, Jobab, who was one of the kings of the Edomites. Again, if this was a Job, there's no other mention of um, that Job uh, at all. Um, but I don't see how Job can be identified with uh, Edom um, or Esau. The other interesting thing that I found is um, well, it is a question. Uh, is there a link to Issachar, Jacob's son, uh, in Genesis 46, verse 13? Uh, we have uh, all of Jacob's descendants and sons. Uh, the sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, and Job. So, could there be a link? Maybe, maybe not. Um, there are some thoughts that Job may have lived around that time as well, um, coming from those links. Now, Elihu as well, when he comes on the scene, uh, he is Elihu the Buzite, or the Buzite. Um, we have also in Genesis 22, uh, we have the names of Az and Buzz. Um, they do rhyme together, but Az was the land uh, where Job was, and Buzz is the person where Elihu descended from. So, I'm not sure whether there's a strong whether there's strong links uh, to that to suggest uh, that Job lived in those times, but there are definitely uh, uh, decent links to suggest Job lived in the times of perhaps Abraham or perhaps uh, one of uh, Abraham's other descendants. All right, so um, just an overview of the book of Job. Um, the the division of Job is not very hard to make. Um, because we can tell uh, from the descriptions, from the narratives, from all the speeches. Uh, so if I can offer um, a simple uh, division of Job, chapters 1 and 2 provide a historical introduction and a narrative into the person Job himself and into what God allowed Satan to do to Job in order to prove Satan wrong and for God to work uh, in Job's uh, heart. Uh, now, it seems uh, a little bit of a complex matter that Satan has access to heaven because he is in God's presence. 
Now, he may have access to heaven, but he does not have access to the Father's house as we know it to be. So they're two different uh, uh, places, if you may. So uh, the, the only other uh, mentions of the name Satan occur in First Chronicles 21 and Zechariah 3. Um, so we can uh, read that in your own times. So one in chapter 1 and 2 is a historical introduction and narrative. The rest of the book is written in poetry, um, and it tells uh, it describes the uh, uh, inward feelings and afflictions of Job. Uh, it shows the uh, responses of his friends. So the second division is from chapter 3 to 31, um, the conversations and uh, controversies between Job and his friends. Now, from chapter 3, it seems that Satan has disappeared from the scene. Uh, we don't read of Satan anymore. However, Satan's still very clever uh, because it seems that he has used Job's three friends to misunderstand him and to say uh, uh, things about the wicked while the things about the wicked that they say are true, but they apply it to Job himself. And Job was not wicked. Uh, if anything, uh, Job was not righteous or perfect because maybe he was proud in himself and God wanted to show him uh, that he's not uh, right and um, God wanted to bring down his pride but that was not something for his friends to do and so his his friends uh, speeches are all based on um, on tradition what they've seen what they've heard uh, on intuition that they've received from God and things like that uh, while a lot of the things they say are true, it did not apply to Job. And in fact, in chapter 16, Job ended up calling them miserable comforters. Um, can we imagine if we have friends who misunderstand us when we're going through such a difficult time, we end up calling them miserable comforters? Well, you know, Job was brave. He actually called it to them, uh, to them in their faces. Uh, he didn't say it behind their backs. Uh, so he actually said it to them. Uh, now, in these parts, um, it, again, it, now, if you want to get a benefit out of reading any book in the Bible, look for the Lord Jesus in there. Look for Christ in the pages of the scriptures because um, there's a lot of references uh, or a lot of um, uh, types of Christ in these. So chapter 9, verse 33, Christ is seen as an advocate or um, in the new translation, in Darby's translation, it's an umpire. Um, so it's, uh, uh, it's there, and um, the corresponding New Testament reference may be 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. And in Job chapter 16, he's a mediator. He's between man and God. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, and Hebrews 7, verse 25, refer to Christ as a mediator. There's also mention of Christ as a witness in chapter 16, verse 19. Christ is also uh, typified as a messenger and interpreter in chapter 33, verse 23. And the more obvious one is uh, in chapter 19, verse 25, Christ is seen as a redeemer. In fact, uh, Job quotes this verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 25, I know that my Redeemer lives. 
Is anyone familiar with the title of the hymn, I Know That My Redeemer Lives? That's where these words came from, the book of Job. And there, uh, the other thing about Christ is that he's a ransom, uh, chapter 33, verse 24. Uh, and then in the New Testament reference, Mark 10, verse 45, and 1 Timothy 2, verse 6. So Christ is a ransom for all. And uh, so they're the main types, um, if you like, or the main uh, uh, characteristics that we see in Christ um, in the book of Job. Uh, very worthwhile to have a look at and to read the counterpart uh, references in the New Testament. So um, the division, uh, yeah, chapter 2, uh, 3 verses, uh, chapters 3 to 31, are uh, all of the speeches between Job and his three friends. Uh, and then um, uh, at the end of that section, it says uh, the words of Job are ended. Uh, and Job's friends could not respond to him again because he was righteous in his own eyes. Chapter 32 to 37, uh, enter Elihu. Now, some people think that Elihu uh, may have been a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, but I don't believe so. Uh, the Spirit definitely used him to preach gospel words in chapter 33, um, which we don't have time now to look at, but in your own time, it's a beautiful chapter, some really uh, beautiful references in there. Um, the, the gospel uh, of the grace of God in bringing the individual uh, to himself. And that's coming from the words of Elihu, um, who was obviously used by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in fact, Elihu uh, was angry uh, because, first of all, uh, Job's friends were mistreating him and were misapplying truths uh, to Job, which were not true of Job. Secondly, and more importantly, uh, he was angry uh, with Job because Job himself thought he was righteous. And in chapter 33, Elihu says to him, Job, you are not right. You are not right with God. And in fact, uh, towards the end of chapter 33, Elihu says to him, Job, I really desire to justify you. And you know, that's what the Lord wants. He wants to justify uh, as many people uh, as they have a desire to be justified. But we cannot say that we're right or just in our own eyes. We have to acknowledge that we're not just and that we're not right. And therefore, the Lord comes in and uh, justifies us. And so Elihu had this desire to justify Job and to show him uh, all the things of God and to show him the might of God and that God does not answer to anyone. You know, God does not give an account uh, of himself to anyone there. Uh, now, in Job's speeches, um, uh, Job said some things that, you know, he didn't see coming. Uh, he said, oh, that my words were written in a book. Well, little did he know that we have the book of Job now and that we can read his words. And he even said one other thing. Oh, uh, I'm going to paraphrase that. Oh, if God would just speak to me, I'd have a case against him. I'd have a case against why he's doing this to me. Well, God speaks to him in chapters 38 through to 42 verse 6. Did Job have a case when God spoke to him? No, never. In fact, um, uh, so this whole section, uh, Jehovah speaks to Job, reveals to Job his glory in creation as the Almighty, 
and in fact uh, we can't go through all these now but in chapters 40 and 41 he mentions two two distinct animals um, which obviously God created uh, there's thoughts that these animals may have been dinosaurs or even dragons that existed uh, way back at that time well if if um, Leviathan was in fact a dragon God created it as part of God's creation uh, if you look at closely at the characteristics you may see that it's a dragon or it's just another type of uh, wild um, animal untamable animal but God tames them because he created them no human can tame it so God's showing Job all the wonders of his creation and then in chapter 42 uh, verse 6 um, Job then speaks to God and he uh, does uh, repent uh, in front of God so after Elihu speaks after God speaks Job then he says I don't have a case you know I repent I abhor myself and therefore uh, God blesses him um, God in fact was going to judge his friends because they uh, spoke ill of him but Job in his wonderful characteristic interceded for his friends and their God did uh, restore them now the restoration of Job uh, God gave him double blessings of everything that he had before but there's one interesting thing he still had seven sons and three daughters the same as in chapter one uh, why is that there's a thought in that you know Job's sons and daughters never perished they went to heaven and that's why he still ended up with seven sons and three daughters uh, at that but the rest of all his livestock all his cattle yes they perished but God doubled them for him now um, it's a pretty long read uh, if you're reading uh, on average three minutes per chapter uh, you'll probably finish Job in about 126 minutes so uh, it's not a place where you can uh, commute and uh, read uh, at the same time um, you probably got to be traveling for about two and a half hours or something like that to be able to read the whole book in one sitting um, it is a bit difficult uh, to read it in one setting um, because of the way it's written basically and because of the way that the feelings are being expressed and because of all the moving around but all in all it's a very enjoyable read uh, what we can get from that is uh, God's ways in dealing with the individual believer uh, there's no nation there's no collective uh, gathering uh, so uh, it's only God dealing with individuals uh, here in this book of Job in either bringing a sinner to him or restoring a believer perhaps from their pride or perhaps from ways that they have gone wrong bringing back the believer to himself so if you have all these in mind uh, who what where when and why not only in the book of Job but in all the books where possible uh, if you have those in mind uh, you can get a grasp of the setting of the book and of um, what it's all about and why it was written for us and you know when uh, it all happened now 
Uh, one last thing, the author of Job, uh, it's not clear as to who wrote it. Um, it's one of the, uh, you know, several books that the authorship is not clear. Um, but, you know, in spite of unclear authorship of the book of Job, uh, it's still perfect in all its ways. Uh, God works in the heart of the unknown author to write these words in the book of Job.